Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Happy Sunday. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Did you hang out with your fam? Any awkward conversations at the dinner table? Yeah. (laughs) Some people are shaking their heads. We'll pray for you later, okay? Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Vineyard. This is the first Sunday of Advent season. And uh, that's always a big deal here at the Vineyard. But it's not just a big deal here at the Vineyard. It's a big deal uh, for the church around the world. Uh, One of the things that we do here at the Vineyard is we fall in line with the church calendar uh, this time of year. And the reason we do that is because the global, universal, historic church has sort of decided that there are two moments at least in the church calendar or two specific moments in the life of Jesus that are really important. One would be the birth of Jesus and the second would be uh, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Like there's lots of important things, but one of the things that the entire church, doesn't matter what stream it is, it doesn't matter what creed, doesn't matter what form, doesn't matter what country, the entire church, both global and historic, has decided that there's something special about the birth of Jesus And so we should maybe consider it, right? So that's one of the reasons why here at the Vineyard, we want to jump into the church calendar uh, this time of year. Uh, The other reason uh, we want to do this is because if we fall into the historic church calendar, uh, it gives us an opportunity to actually focus on the right stuff, okay? How many of you understand that you could uh, come to church, or you could even be a Christian, or you could... Uh, flow through the Christmas season and completely miss the right stuff. And here's why. Because there's all kinds of competing narratives going on for what is important this time of year, right? So if you let Amazon shape, if you let Amazon shape the narrative for what is important this time of year, it'll just be consumption, right? Or if you, if you allow maybe just the wider media to tell you what's important this time of year, it could be any number of things. It could be like watching Hallmark movies or any... Thing like that. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with those things, but you could do those things and then completely miss the point, right? And so one of the reasons we want to fall in line with the church calendar is, A, it's just to agree with the historic and global church, but B, it's to give ourselves the opportunity to actually pick up the things that are most important, you know? We want to pick up the harmonies. We want to pick up the things that are being put out and are the most important. And then finally, third reason that we want to jump into the church calendar this time of year is uh, just something that a pastor in Missouri, has got, this guy named Brian Zahn says, and I just really love this. Brian says, uh, nobody gets to make up Christianity. You know, Christianity is received. No one gets to make it up. And it's just another opportunity for us to receive uh, from the scripture, to receive from the story of God, but then also to receive, to receive from uh, the historic faith, to receive from our forefathers and our foremothers the things that were passed on and given to us. This is not something that anyone got to make up. We just receive it, okay? 
Okay, and uh, here's what Advent means. Uh, if you were here at the very, very beginning, Advent just means coming. Uh, that's what Marcus read to us early this morning. It just means coming. There's something coming. And the way that we focus on that uh, here in the church is each Sunday in the Advent season has a particular theme. So the first Sunday is hope. Uh, next Sunday will be peace. The third Sunday is joy. And then finally, the fourth Sunday is love. And if you're up here and you can see this little burning candle, you notice we've got like four little candles here. And we lit one. And the first one we lit is the hope candle. Next week, we will light the peace candle and then the joy candle. It's pink, right? And then finally, we'll, we'll light the love candle. And on Christmas Eve, we'll, we'll light the, the Christ candle. And it's just a way for us to jump into the season a little bit and say, you know what? Something here is different. Uh, if you want to, you might even go, to, go to, uh, to Hallmark this week. Or you might order online uh, from Amazon. And you might buy yourself a little Christmas candle or two. And you could have this little setup at home. It takes no space. And you could light. It's really fun. You could get the kids and you could light candles. And maybe you wouldn't burn your house down. Uh, anyway, Advent means coming, and, and if, something, if something is coming, you have to ask yourself, well, what is coming? And obviously, the thing that's coming is uh, the birth of Jesus. So this is the time of year when we focus in on the coming of Jesus. Uh, it's the time of year when we focus in on that not just that Jesus is coming, but that, he's, that he is coming in flesh and blood. That God wasn't just someone who was distant, that God is not someone who is content with sitting in heaven, that God is not someone who is content with uh, a million miles uh, between us, but that he is actually someone who comes to us right where we are. And, and it's also this idea in Advent that, that Christ is the one who comes to us when we most need him. Uh, in our lowest moment, or when the world seems to be the darkest, this is when God comes to us, and not as an idea, but God comes to us in flesh and blood. That's what the Advent season is all about. But I will tell you this. Uh, historically, the Advent season has not just been focusing on uh, the coming of Jesus as a baby alone. It is that, but that becomes a prism through which we see not just the first coming of Jesus, but the second coming of Jesus. So if you do any reading uh, about Advent historically, if you pick up any of the the church texts that have been around for more than a minute, one of the things you'll see is that this is the time of year when the church not just anticipates the first coming of Jesus, but the church uses that to anticipate the second coming of Jesus. If he came once, he will come again. If he has appeared, he is going to reappear. The very same Jesus who came as a tender babe is going to come back again. And so it's a time for us, even this morning to reattune our hearts to all the places where we need Jesus to come and we need Jesus to save and we need Jesus to fix anything that's broken. This is a great time of year to hold it out before Jesus and say, we need you to come and take a look at this. You know, uh, you might even think about the world we live in. Uh, what is broken? What is, uh, what is in need of mending? What is not okay? What is fractured? What isn't working? Uh, this is a moment for all of us to hold those out before Jesus and say, you know what? We need you to come and to do the things that only you can do in person. Right? This is what Advent is all about. And so in order to sort of like get ourselves in that place, what we're going to do this month is 
we're going to spend the entire month in the, uh, in the book of Isaiah. We're going to spend four weeks in Isaiah. Uh, the Bible scholars consider Isaiah to be the fifth gospel. It is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels. It's just quoted over and over, especially in Matthew. So we're going to spend four weeks in Isaiah, and we're just going to attune our hearts to the coming of Jesus. Is that okay? All right. Let's put up our passage this morning. Really short passage. This is out of Isaiah chapter 7, and we're just going to read a few verses here. This will make more sense in a moment. I'll I'll explain it to you. We're kind of jumping in midstream. Isaiah writes this. He says, Later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough? Isn't it enough to exhaust the human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's our text this morning, and in order to jump into this text this morning, uh, we kind of need to start here, which is, which is this idea, that oftentimes in the Bible, and not just in the Bible, but oftentimes in the prophetic literature of the Bible, or in prophecy in general, one of the things that's happening is that there's a near meaning, and then there's a far meaning, that oftentimes prophetic texts or even just prophecy in general is multi-layered. Think of an onion. It just has layer after layer after layer. And uh, what the theologians kind of uh, center in on here with this passage is that there are near meanings, but then there are far meanings. And I'll just jump into the near meaning first. Part of the reason why this passage doesn't really make all that much sense is in order for it to make sense, we'd have to read the whole chapter. And here's basically What's going on? Uh, This is a time in the history of Israel where the kingdom of Israel is divided. There's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is Israel. The southern kingdom is Judah. And Judah is surrounded. And this is what's interesting about this moment for them. They're not just surrounded by their enemies, but they're surrounded by some of their brothers. So Israel has come against Judah. That would be their actual brothers, right? Israel has come against Judah, and they've partnered with Syria, and they've surrounded them. And the king of Judah, the king of Judah is fairly concerned, and the prophet Isaiah goes to him earlier in this chapter and says, you should not be concerned. And basically the prophet says uh, to the king of Judah, he says, here's what I need you to know. Syria is no stronger than its king, and he's not strong. And Israel is no stronger than its king, and he is also not strong. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. And then Isaiah says to the king of Judah, you should ask the Lord for a sign or a confirmation. And by the way, if you want to, make it really hard. And the king of Judah says, well, I won't do that. I won't test the Lord like that. And then Isaiah says basically to him, well, why are you wearing me out? Here's what the Lord says to you. 
there's going to be a young girl and she's going to have a baby and his name will be Emmanuel. This is the confirmation, which is hilarious. You're surrounded and the confirmation is a baby will be born and his name will mean God is with us. Okay, so there's the near meaning. The near meaning is Judah is surrounded. The Judah has been cut off that some of its enemies are its own brothers, right? Like that's even more personal, more painful, if you want to put it that way. Surrounded by its own brothers, teaming up with foreign enemies. And in the moment when Judah had no hope, in the moment when Judah had no options, God says, it's going to be fine. And the sign is, a baby will be born to a young girl, and his name will mean God is with us. And so probably, who knows, it's just speculation here, probably what happened in the near meaning side of this is somebody in the royal court, somebody in the royal court, someone, maybe some young girl, ends up pregnant and probably names her baby Emmanuel, and maybe no one else knows what's going on, but it would be assigned to the king. Does that make sense? But because this is prophetic and because it's not just that moment, it also has a far meaning. And the far meaning here is that this is a prophecy hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand, six or seven hundred years before. This is a prophecy that Jesus would come and that he would be born a virgin. Does this make sense? Yeah. So there are these things, near meanings, far meanings, things that are up close, things that are far away. One of the things that I love about this particular passage is the setting. And I really think this is the word of God to you and I this morning. It's the promise that Isaiah gives to the king. And the promise goes something like this. When you're surrounded, when you're surrounded by your brothers, when you're surrounded by foreign adversaries, when your life has been cut off, uh, here is the sign that God is on your side. A tender baby named Emmanuel. And I just love this picture because we kind of have to think a little bit, and we have to put ourselves in that moment. Uh, if you are Judah, if you're a country, and you're surrounded by foreign enemies, if some of them are your brothers, if all of your options have been cut off, what is it that you really need in that moment? Anybody know what you need in that moment? How many of you would ask for a warrior? Right? Like, what I need in this moment is a warrior. Or, or maybe you would ask for an army, right? Like if you're Judah and you're the king and your responsibility is to maintain the sovereignty of your borders and to maintain the safety of your people and you're surrounded by uh, enemies on all sides and all of your options have been dried up, how many of you know that maybe what you need is a strong army or maybe a really special weapon, right? But the prophetic word comes and and instead of an army, instead of a general, instead of a special weapon, and instead of uh, uh, a display of strength, instead of all of that, 
what God promises is a baby born to a virgin, born to a young girl, born to maybe a nobody, and his name would be Emmanuel. What I love about this is there is some way in which that upside-down kingdom thing is happening. It's, a, it's an example of, uh, of God's kingdom where tenderness is the ultimate strength. That's part of what's being put on display for us this morning. In our own minds, what we think is strong is uh, actual strength or special weapons or having a bigger army or having the upper hand in some way, uh, cutting off our enemies' options in every single manner possible. But what we see in this passage is that the kingdom of heaven works totally different. And in the kingdom of heaven, tenderness, smallness, uh, maybe feebleness, weakness, but especially that word tender, tenderness is the ultimate strength. The other thing that this little passage shows us is that in God's kingdom, every oppressive regime is coming to nothing and is already dead. Every oppressive regime is coming to nothing and already dead. Uh, Judah is surrounded. They're being oppressed by Israel and by Syria. And when God says that the confirmation that he will be with them, that he will take care of them is a baby, there's this uh, there's this juxtaposition, not just between tenderness and strength, but between a newborn baby and, and strong armies of full-grown men, right? And part of the picture here is that every oppressive regime is coming to an end and will amount to nothing. On, on the other hand, there's this little baby, this tender little baby, and read for that new generation, right? There's a new generation that's coming, and it will overtake, like the days... The days of that kingdom are just now starting, and they are going to flourish uh, without end. So even now, in the world that we live in, we live in relative peace and prosperity, but if we turn the news on, we realize that this is not, not the case for every single place in the world. Uh, right now, Syria is a disaster. Right now, lots and lots of places on the map are a disaster. Uh, there are even places close to our homes that are disasters, right? And one of, the, one of the things that we can hold in our heart is that every oppressive regime is going to come to nothing. And even in those places, uh, God is going to raise up something tender and small. Uh, the kingdom of heaven can break out even in those places already. Coming to nothing, but the goodness of of the kingdom of God is already being born, and it's a brand new generation. It's, it's a baby. Peace and harmony are the newborn babies of a new generation, and they're just getting started. Uh, one of the things we might want to think about this morning is this very simple question. Uh, where are you surrounded? Uh, where are you scared? Where are you threatened? Uh, where, are you, where are you optionless? Uh, you might want to think about the world for a moment. Where is the world surrounded? Where are people scared? Where are they threatened? Where are they optionless? I'll guarantee you that in this room, there are some optionless people here this morning. Some of us here have shown up, and you just sort of like you've exhausted all the options, and you feel fairly surrounded. Uh, here's the good news. Uh, the good news is that if you will look for tenderness, uh, if you will... 
keep an eye open for the small thing. If you will not ask for an army, if you will not ask for a strong man, but if you'll keep your heart attuned to tenderness and if you can keep an eye open for the small things, you will find where God is at work and he is birthing something new that will not end and it will be on your behalf. In addition to tenderness and smallness, we need to look for Emmanuel. We need to look for God with us. God with us. In our weakest moments, God is coming to us. And by the way, uh, God is coming to us not to just do stuff for us, but to be with us. This is, this is the message of Emmanuel. Some of us were hoping for a God who would do stuff for us, but we didn't actually have to live with him. You know? You know, some of us would prefer, again, it's the idea of a strong man who would come in and maybe just fix things and leave, right? But what God is promising is a tender baby who stays. This is, this is, the, this is the message of Emmanuel. Not, not just that God would show up and fix everything and leave, but the promise of the kingdom of heaven is that God would come and that he would stay. He would stay. One of the things that some of us in the room need to know this morning is that we're not alone in our suffering. Uh, you're not alone in your tight places. You're not alone when things get difficult. And in Jesus, this is true for the whole world. And that includes everybody here. Uh, the whole world is being included in this. Uh, Jesus is the one who came to the world in its darkest moment. Not to just do stuff for the world, but to be with the world. And in the moment when it feels like God is not delivering you the way you wanted, uh, the message of the kingdom is that he is with you in those moments. Uh, no one is ever, ever alone. When it feels like things are not being fixed, the good news is if you can look around and find tenderness or the small thing, you will find the presence of Jesus there with you. It is God with us. Uh, this is why we can have hope. This is why the first Sunday of Advent is Hope Sunday. This is why every single person in the room can have hope. This is why you can have real hope. Because God promises to come to us and to be with us. Because Jesus has come to us and he will come again. We can have real hope. Because in the darkest places, the most surprising moments, that's where Jesus is being born. That's where Jesus is being born. Uh, right now in your life, you can have hope. Right now, everyone in here has permission to get their hopes up. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean it's all going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. It just means that wherever you feel hopeless, you have permission to get your hopes up because God is coming to you in those moments and he will be with you. And whether things turn out the way that you think they're going to turn out or that you were hoping they're going to turn out, uh, that's not the point. The point is that God will be with you. He will walk through you with it. And you can, you can be sure of this, that in the end, it will turn out right. In the end, it will turn out right. This is the good news. This is the gospel, and this is the message of Advent, that in the end, everything is going to be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. This is the message of Advent. If it's, if it's not okay, it's not the end. Because in the end, every single thing is going to be made right, but it's going to start small. It's going to start as a baby, a baby that everyone could overlook, a baby that, is, that, that scares no one, a baby that, is, uh, that does not have the 
the capability to intimidate or to coerce or to force or to do anything. God is coming to us in non-coercive, small, tender, overlookable, uh, inconvenient ways. Like, isn't that what babies are? Really cute inconveniences? <laughs> really cute, needy inconveniences? Uh, read that for the kingdom of heaven. And haven't you noticed that when you have a baby, you can't get rid of it, right? Like, like that's the thing about babies, right? Yeah, once you have it, it's yours, right? It is Emmanuel. It is with you, right? And in the very places where you are most broken, in all the places that are not okay, in the places where our world is disjointed and needs repair, God is coming to us, but he's coming to us small. He's coming to us tender, overlookable, non-intimidating, uh, completely, completely meek and mild. What's the word to us this morning? Uh, here's the word. Don't go looking for warriors and generals. Whatever you do. If you want to be a Christian, here's how to be a Christian. Don't go looking for warriors and generals. Don't go looking for Superman. Don't go looking for MacGyver either. Why? Why? Because here's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, we look for little babies born in mangers. You know? Jesus was born in a manger. Uh, he was not born at the Intercontinental. Never spent one night there. Not even a decent hospital. This is the kingdom that we're entering into. And that's kingdom hope. It's the reason that everybody here can have real hope. That God is showing up in the places we least expected him to. This is the message of the kingdom. Jesus, born in a cattle barn, you know? You would have expected that he would have showed up someplace nicer, you know? Why? Here's why. Because the world is trying to get us to believe uh, in generals. The, the, the world is trying to get us to believe in warriors. The world is trying to get us to believe in multi-million dollar CEOs, that this is how God's kingdom works. I just want you to know, that's not it. Jesus shows up penniless, born in a cattle barn, looking unexpecting places. Uh, in the place that you thought God didn't want to have any part of, that's the very place he'll make his home. That's the very place he'll make his home. Like in the place where you have an addiction, that's where God will show up, you know? Uh, he, he, won't even, he won't even first make you leave your addiction. Did you know that? This is how good the Lord is. Uh, the Lord will not first make you leave addiction before you can have him. He will, he will, he will incarnate himself in your addiction. He will, he, will, he will be born in the very places where you are like powerless. And he will make his presence known. And he'll come to you tiny. He'll come to you weak. Uh, he won't come to you. He won't come to you and just snap his fingers, you know. He'll just come to you and you'll have to attend to him, right? Uh, in the very places where uh, things are totally jacked up, uh, in the place where you have no money, God will not come to you as a CEO with billions of dollars, you know. He will come to you in, in, in the place of your lack and he will make himself known. And it'll probably be really small and really tender. Uh, in the places where we have issues that we do not want to talk about, God will come and make himself known. Jesus born in a manger to nobodies. This is good news. This is why everybody in the room can have hope this morning. You know, this is why we can have real hope and maybe even 
maybe even bigger than one candle, you know? You, you, could begin to, you could begin to get your hopes up. This is why we can have the consolation of heaven. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. This kind of hope, this kind of kingdom, it's largely overlooked. It's largely not seen. And before you think it's all useless, you need to remember this, that angels sang on the night that Jesus was born. Heaven knows what the world overlooks and does not value, heaven knows, you know? There's just a real different thing. Like, what the world didn't see in the birth of Jesus, heaven did see and sang. So, if you're tempted this week, like if you feel kind of good about the fact that you have some stuff in your life that needs fixed, and if you're beginning to feel a little bit of hope that maybe Jesus would show up in the midst of it, and if by Wednesday you are having trouble believing any of that again, I just want to say two things. Number one, that's okay, you're human. And the second thing I want you to say is, we can return to the tender and the small thing because this is the thing that heaven sings over. You know, uh, Just because the world overlooks it, just because the world puts no trust and no faith in this Jesus, it doesn't mean it's unimportant. Uh, heaven sings a symphony. Handel's Messiah breaks out over these tender, small things. And we can give ourselves permission to attune our hearts to that melody and to that song. So here's our hope this morning, church. It's this, uh, that Jesus came and that Jesus will come again. In fact, this is our confession. Why don't we make it our confession this morning, okay? Uh, it could go something like this. Uh, Jesus has come, and Jesus will come again. Could we say that together this morning? Why don't we just put our hands out like this even? It's just a way of embodying this for a moment. Jesus has come, and Jesus will come again. It could just be a prayer over everything that we have in our life. Are you ready? Jesus has come, and Jesus will come again. Why don't we stand up? If you're on the ministry team this morning, come on down. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.